0: You're listening to the Conversations with Kids Peace podcast. Advice, information, and inspiration from experts at the leading provider of mental and behavioral health services for children, adults, and those who love them. Now, here's your host.
1: Hello and welcome to our podcast series, Conversations with Kids Peace. I'm Bob Martin. As we record this, the holidays are just around the corner and Isn't that the time to celebrate families? Well, it is, but that's not what we're gonna do today. Instead, we're gonna talk about family therapy and the role it plays in helping kids overcome mental and behavioral health challenges. And to do that, we're welcoming two of our favorite guests, Adrian Pauling and Michelle Callahan. Adrian is site supervisor of the Acute Partial Program at Kids' Pieces Broadway Campus in Fountain Hill, PA. And Michelle is facility director for Kids' Pieces Drug and Alcohol Treatment Programs. Hi guys, welcome back.
2: Hey Bob. Hey, Happy thanks for having oh, we'd us. would love to have
1: you here. So uh, let's, Adrian, let's dive right into it. What is how is our understanding of the genesis of mental illness changing, and what does that mean for family therapy?
2: So first, I think it's important to think about we pass things along to our kids, not just our blue eyes and our brown hair and our short stature. And <laughs> in my family situation. Um, but we can also pass along mental illness and we can also pass along things that have happened to us in our past and our behaviors in turn can cause issues within our children in the home. So there's, it's very important to understand a family dynamic and to get the parents' point of view of what's happening with their child.
1: Michelle, what are some of the common misconceptions that parents have about mental illness treatment for their children?
0: You know, I have a list and I just kind of like thought of a different one I should probably start with, which is Kids Peace only serves children. Um, you know, I guess about six years ago we created this umbrella name of Orchard Behavior Health and we started right. serving the adults as well um, in our outpatient facilities. And the reason we decided to do that is we're serving these kids and adolescents and we found, wow, these parents need help too. Um, and today, you know, many years later, some of our programs are split literally down the middle between Um, you know, over 18 as the clients and under 18. Um, And I mean, in some of the programs, we have the parents, three, four of their kids, sometimes we even have grandparents. So that would be the first thing that just kind of popped in my head to mention is that Kids Peace doesn't just serve uh, children. Um, I think the biggest thing when Adrian and I were talking about some of the common myths that we hear is, there's this mentality from the parents that like the kid is the the problem lies specifically and only with the kid. Um, there's like this idea of like, you know, fix my kid. Um, that that has to be hands down the biggest one. And I think that goes back to like psychoeducation, you know, they you only know what you know. Um, I mean, the the kid is probably the one acting out behaviorally. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another one we hear is, you know, I have a bad kid. And again, like surface level, like maybe the kid is acting out, but what is the kid really trying to tell the parent? Um, Sometimes emotionally, they don't know how to express what's going on with them or how, you know, the changing family dynamic is is affecting them and that affects every family member. Um, And on the other side of that, I think we also hear, um, you know, the misconception of I'm a bad parent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a big one too. And honestly, like nine out of 10 times, my perception is the parent is doing the best that they can, right. um, uh, with the resources they have or the l- lack thereof as far as the resources they have. Um, so that's another a big one that we see. Um, another one we mentioned when we were talking about this is we see a lot of the blaming, um, other, the other parent, especially if they're not together anymore, or bri- uh, blaming the system blaming the school teachers or just finding anyone else to blame, really. Um, And sometimes, again, that goes back to, you know, they don't know their role uh, maybe Mm -hmm. in that. Um, And it's easier. And I think as a parent, it's really hard, even if you do realize that, you know, maybe there is a problem that lies within you or maybe you could do something better. Um, So that's when we hear. And then, oh, another one is um, divorce ruined my family. Um, and honest to God, sometimes divorce can be the best thing that can happen to a family. Um, and it's really the events that are leading up to a divorce, you know, the fighting and the animosity that can happen with parents.
1: It's that old thing of I'm blaming the symptom, not the underlying disease.
0: Right, exactly. And, you know, and you can completely appreciate that parents want to stay together for kids. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes that's not the best thing, Mm -hmm. um, in their interest. And, you know, fighting starts to happen in front of the kids and, you know, that takes its toll as well. And then you have kids who sometimes um will blame themselves in return. Um, right. So those were some of the most common uh, myths that, you know, Adrian and I had talked about. Yeah.
1: And and it's interesting because I was thinking about this as well and um when I've when I've discussed this with experts like yourselves, I often hear this phrase that it really resonates with me. It's hurt people hurt people. And and to your point, I wonder how many of those parents um are actually not realizing that they that their kids may be going through the same thing they went through than they themselves went through when they were that age, and um, I, I guess that that goes to the question, Adrian. Let me ask you: How hard is it to get a parent or a caregiver to to consider their own situation as you're trying to to help their child?
2: It, it can be very difficult. Um, we do see a lot of resistance, and we also see parents that come in and say, "Listen." I had a terrible childhood myself. I did not have good role models. I didn't know how to be a part of a family. My parents never told me I loved them. And I think that this is the reason that maybe my kid is acting the way that my kid is acting. And. It's a trickle down effect. If you were raised in a home where your parents didn't tell you they loved you or your parents were constantly fighting, that becomes a norm for you. And if at no point you received help or no one intervened in your situation, you only know what you know. And so it's important for us to understand that this is what happened to the parent during our assessment phase of treatment. We get a family history. We get a mental health history. We get a drug and alcohol abuse history. We get a history if there's attempted or completed suicides in a family. We get um, history of incarceration in the family. Um, And then we empower the parent to just be open and honest and use the skills that they have and the skills that we're going to give them to make things better for the next generation.
1: Well, let's, let's dive into that a little bit more closely. Um, when, when you've gone through that assessment and you're looking at therapeutic approaches that you're, you're addressing to the whole family, um, how do family therapy approaches address the dynamic and moving to move everybody towards a more healing type of situation? And let me start with you on that.
2: So first and foremost, it's essentially a puzzle. So. You're getting all of the bits and pieces during the assessment phase. And then we, as therapists put the puzzle together in our mind and we start from there, um, family therapy is designed to be a safe space for everyone to be heard. And sometimes it just starts with basic things like boundaries. So you're setting boundaries. No, you cannot be on your tablet six hours a day no you do not have free reign to leave the home whenever you want to without permission a lot of times the word no is a big deal because sometimes when parents are hurt themselves or don't have the skills they overcompensate by allowing things to happen like leaving the home or you know or using the tablet or doing these things that there should probably be restrictions on and then when you try to establish a restriction, that's when you might just start to see some of the behaviors.
0: And imagine how hard it is to put that puzzle together when you're missing pieces. And you really need like every member of the family or as many as you can to be involved in order to put that picture together correctly because otherwise as therapists we're you know, we're taking a shot at the full picture of what exactly are the underlying issues to the surface level stuff that we're seeing.
1: Yeah, You're looking through a keyhole that's provided to you and you have folks that may not realize their own behavior has contributions to this, may not be real open to admitting it to another person or even to their child, or maybe they look at it through the prism of their own experience and say, that's not that bad. Why are you doing this? And I know you guys hear this all the time. You look at situations and behaviors emerge from triggers that for a lot of people would go, why, why are you choosing to fight on that hill? Like why? you know, why not let the kid use the tablet or why, why not give them a little bit more freedom? And, and you're having to say, no, you have to think about these things a lot more sort of holistically and, and try to get that going.
0: There's also a lot of steps sometimes. That we need to take as therapists before we're even putting the whole family together in a room. Sometimes, you know, we put them in together and it's like, okay, this is, you know, this was not the first step to take. Uh, and in first and foremost, like usually the kid is our primary client. And, you know, you have to build rapport, not only with the kid, but with the family, but usually with the kid first. So sometimes it's most appropriate to maybe do some individual therapy and build rapport with the kid. And then we also do what's called collateral family therapy, where you meet with just the parents without the kid. And that's where I think sometimes you can start with putting the puzzle pieces together. Cause also a lot of times the kids may be more comfortable to start sharing some things individually first. It may not, they may not feel safe to, you know, talk about some things or, you know, bring up some of the stuff that's going on in the home with the whole family and that's kind of where you can kind of open up those gates and same thing with the parents Mm -hmm. you know again like it's a safe place like she was saying uh to give them a chance to talk about things from their perspective and not have to worry about what they're saying in front of the kid and then you can bring the family together in in family therapy all in the same room and you got to really talk about what is family therapy especially if they've never been in family therapy before Mm -hmm. um what are the expectations you know what are rules um you know grounds for family therapy you know we're talking about some difficult things some Difficult emotions and behaviors.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, what are some of the approaches that uh, that our therapists are taking when it comes to uh, dealing with family dynamics?
0: Um, so, I mean, Kids Peace offers, uh, like I was mentioning, we do serve adults. We serve the whole the whole family in our outpatient facilities. Um, we also, like you had mentioned, we're doing drug and alcohol services now, which is brand new for kids piece. So unfortunately, you know, co-occurring issues are, um, very prevalent, um, especially with the parents. So now we have the ability to, um, address that in the parents and we're taking as young as 13, even if the kids are having, uh, drug and alcohol issues themselves. Um, we have some great autism specific programs. And I know one of the things they offer is a parent specific group. Right. Um, what else do
2: well, I, I just want to play on that too. Um, you know, we have people that are coming to therapy because they're recognizing that there's a need for it. But there's also people who are coming to therapy because maybe a school's putting pressure on them or maybe another family member is putting pressure on them. And sometimes our parents don't understand mental illness. And sometimes mm-hmm. a child with something like an autism spectrum disorder or a bipolar issue or mood disorder, things like that, sometimes it's not culturally accepted to get mental health treatment. And sometimes it's just something that parents don't know anything about because they've never had to deal with it. So bringing them in for family therapy helps them understand the process and what we're actually treating. Um, We do offer um, PCIT treatment as well. Yeah, Can you talk a little bit
1: more about that? Because I think that's really uh, kind of a a fascinating thing, and, and Michelle, you and I were together at the opening of our office up in Mount Pocono, yeah. and they had base. This is kind of a thing, and I don't want to. I want you to explain it, but it's sort of a thing where you kind of have to have a specific sort of setup. Yes, right. So, what what is what is it? Parent child interaction therapy. What's involved with that, and how does that work?
0: So we offer that in three out of four of our outpatient facilities. Like you said, Mount Pocono is the newest. And it's an evidence-based program specifically for two and a half to six years old. Um, And the idea of it is, um, you know, you're addressing the the maladaptive behaviors or emotional difficulties of the younger kids while increasing the positive behaviors. And it's really neat. As the therapist, I am on one side of a one-way mirror wearing a headset. Um, And then in the other room that I'm looking into that only I can see into because they can't see back, the parent is wearing an earpiece and they're in there with their kid. And I am actually coaching them Um, through their earpiece and how to interact with their kid and how to address the behaviors that are coming up. And they even have a timeout room in there. Um, So if a behavior does come out, they know how to address it. Um, And also going back to praise. Sometimes the parents don't know how to adequately praise their kid. And then if people are consistent with it, I mean, it really works. You know, it's homework. You got to go home and then actually use that at home with your kid. That was
1: one of the interesting things about that was, you know, we have the the setup and you go all that. But um part of the part of PCIT that's really important is you have to go home and uh, you know manifest these same positive activities and then come back and talk to us about it.
2: Yeah, and it's a commitment um and yeah. you know it's not for everyone but they've seen some great success with people who are committed and are showing up, going home, doing the homework. We've seen some real changes in, in the kids that get get to be a part of that program.
1: And I think to something, Michelle, I think you, you said, you know, sort of giving parents more of a perspective of, you know, things that can work, things they can do, more control over the situation. I think as a parent, I, I would think one of the biggest questions I have is, well, what can I do? Right. You know, and, and uh, unless I have some experts like you guys telling me, well, these are some things that will work,
0: right? You only uh, know what, you know, only right. you know,
1: or, or what I'm <laughs> so able to find somewhere from a friend or from the internet, which is a horrific idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, aside from the therapeutic approaches, um, Adrian, what are some of the other ways that kids Peace addresses the needs of the family? Uh, as they're addressing those concerns about the child?
2: So a couple things, one, um, our walk-in assessments. So our walk-ins are offered nine to five, Monday through Friday at all of our outpatient locations. Um, You can bring the child in, the therapist gets kind of a brief assessment of what's going on and then refers to an appropriate level of care. I run the partial program in Bethlehem, and it's a 10-day treatment program um, where it's primarily group therapy. There is individual and family therapy, but a lot of times kids come to me because they need a referral for a family-based or um, a multi-systemic therapy level of care. And those recommendations have to come from a psychiatrist, and my program can offer that. Family-based services is a team of typically two people. They're in the home two to three times a week. Um, They're doing intense therapy with the family. They're addressing the family dynamics. Um, They have ability to be available for crisis situations, on-call type stuff. Um, and multi-systemic therapy is another approach to that where you're essentially addressing the systems around the child. So the peers they're hanging out with the family dynamics, those sorts of things, and kind of changing the things around them to encourage the child to
1: change as well. I think. That's one of those things of saying there is help. It is not an insoluble problem. And And um, there's
0: no like one answer as far as how to address a family dynamic or something that's going on. And one of the nice things that we offer is, you know, a variety of therapists that are trained and certified in different things like trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. There's a lot of generational trauma um, Mm -hmm. going on that maybe the kid and the parent, the whole family needs. Um, I went to a year-long training with two of my therapists called E. uh, ESFT um, and it was a fantastic <coughs> training about like really um, building rapport with the parents and understanding the truth of their distress. You know sometimes again like you have that misconception of the, the parent being a, a bad parent and maybe you know we're quick in this world of the stigma of mental health to to label them as that and then you know, we have to get away from that question of what's wrong with you and ask, you know, what happened to you. And that is such a powerful thing. I mean, you know, just to be validated as a parent and be like, wow, no one cared enough to ask me what I've been through or what my role was in this. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have, you know, people training that and attachment based, um, therapy. I mean, what, is there anything else I'm missing?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I think you like, nailed
0: it. Yeah, there's a bunch of different kinds I of I think realities. it's
1: so important, th- that point you made, is that there's, there's not just one path. There's not just one recipe. Know. There's a whole bunch of things that could be done. You need to talk to folks who can basically help you guide you to where that is. And, then that are able to provide that in a, in a appropriate therapeutic evidence-based trauma informed way. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and that's, that's one of the things we obviously at kids piece pride ourselves on Yeah, and this, oh, um, it is always fascinating to talk to you guys. So, okay. You, you know, the drill, uh, we ask each of our guests for a life hack. This is a favorite saying, information from an inventor that you found useful, maybe just a tip on how to do something around the house better and everything. So I think I'm gonna start, Adrian. let's start with you. What's your life hack today?
2: So I have two things, since we're approaching the holidays, two things. So one's kind of quirky, but the other one is kind of geared towards kids and situations that we may see coming up with the kids that we treat. Um, So first of all, Thanksgiving, it's approaching rapidly. Um, And I recently discovered on the internet a really simple thing to do to help you out. Um, I have a very small kitchen. So taping your recipes to the cabinets so that they are at your eye level. And as you are cooking, you're not running over to your phone or flipping the page back to the book. You're not taking up counter space. Tape them to your cabinet. It's right there. Look up. Now you know what you're doing. You know, it's
0: funny because when I was looking for one, one of the things I saw was, Um, taking a cookbook and using like a pants hanger to to keep it open and then hanging it from the cabinet. So just to play off of her her life hack. (laughs)
2: Um, And then the other thing I just wanted to say, I know this goes around on Facebook, um, but with Christmas approaching um, and some of our kids not as fortunate as our other kids, um, I would encourage parents who are able to afford things like computers, laptops, tablets, um, you know, high price items, To maybe steer away from saying that those items are from Santa and instead saying, you know, mom and dad also got you a special gift. These gifts are from Santa so that when they go to school and say Santa brought me a tablet, maybe some other kids who are less fortunate, aren't feeling like well, what the heck? Why didn't Santa bring yeah, me Yeah, not
1: Weren't I good enough to get yeah, one of those? And just kind of yeah. not,
2: you know, broadening the gap anymore between some kids that are less fortunate and kids that are lucky enough to be able to have those things. That's
1: And it's a great lesson, I think, going forward, too, about, you know, there are, there are kids that may not be as fortunate as you are. Not to say you should feel guilty no, or you not should not at all. You shouldn't, you know, uh, have these things. But have have in mind that other folks, uh, you know, may may not be that fortunate. I think right. that's a wonderful say. Lesson. It's from
2: grandma and grandpa. Say it's just from mom and dad. We wanted to get a special gift for you. Something like that.
1: Okay. All right, Michelle. How about you?
0: Adrian's always hard to follow. I know. Well, like, I know. Sorry. She's like, <laughs> she usually does go first. So I'm not gonna lie. Like every time I. You know we do these podcasts and i know i need a life hack i i go on the internet and i google and i'm looking for something and i usually land with like quotes more than uh something like that and it's funny because i came across this article that was kind of like almost debunking life hacks a little bit and i wanted to read the uh what i had read um it says in our hyper competitive world a life hack is more narrowly defined as the perfect shortcut a method to achieve a good outcome with fewer resources it's the seductive idea that if only you could find the trick, you can accomplish your goals and just be happy. So it made me kind of think, and you know, one of my favorite quotes is, um, life is what happens when you're busy making plans. And I kind of feel like this is a, a life hack in itself, in a sense that I think we always need to remind ourselves to take a step back. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know I'm a big person with like mindfulness and just kind of be in the moment. Um, And I think like, especially as we're approaching the holidays, like that's really important. You know, we're always on the hustle and bustle of, you know, buying gifts and, you know, prepping food and just really allowing yourself to be present in a moment and enjoy that time with your your family. And and that I think is going to be the source of happiness um, that they're kind of referencing in in a life hack. And if you don't like your family um, or you don't think it's going to be positive for you, my advice is to binge watch something on Netflix and (laughs) it's called self-care.
1: Well, this is, you know, this is why (laughs) you guys, she lacked, I know. And this is why those who have seen our podcast before with um, our two guests know that I'm usually, um, Tashed with getting the right kind of headgear for this i think i have this for for what you just did to our life hack idea okay, okay. i'm excited i'm going to uh on hard hack. <laughs> yeah, i hat should have had it. this at the, the beginning life hack is under construction, construction exactly <laughs> i just i just i'm afraid something's going to fall on me with, with you guys uh michelle callahan facility director for kids pieces drug and alcohol treatment programs adrian pauling site supervisor of the acute partial program at kids pieces broadway campus in fountain hill ladies I'm convinced the only thing you can't do is disappoint. Thank you for being with us again. And we would love to have you come back. Don't stay away too long. (laughs) So, information on the offering, I'm going to take this off now. Information on the offerings of our outpatient programs here at Kids Peace can be found at our website, (laughs) kidspeace.org. The Conversations with Kids Peace podcast is produced by Robbie Allred. I'm Bob Martin. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having you join us again for more Conversations with Kids Peace. Take care.